Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Fall, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Laura Reese. She's the director for the Center for Technology Policy and senior research fellow in Homeland Security at the Heritage Foundation. We talk about this uh, notion of having pathway to citizenship for undocumented uh, illegal aliens. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be joining us as well as former mayor of Naples, uh, Bill Barnett. It is July the 8th, and on this day in 1776, a one-ton, 2,000-pound copper and tin bell, now known as the Liberty Bell, rang out from the tower of the Pennsylvania State House, which is now, of course, Independence Hall, in Philadelphia, summoning citizens to the first public reading of the Declaration of Independence. Four days earlier, the historic document had been adopted by delegates in the Continental Congress, but the bell did not ring to announce the issuing of the document until the Declaration of Independence returned from the printer on July the 8th. In 1751, to commemorate the 50-year anniversary of Pennsylvania's original constitution, the Pennsylvania Provincial Assembly ordered the bell to be constructed. After being cracked during a test and then recast twice, the bell was hung from the State House steeple in June 1753. Rung to call the uh, Pennsylvania Assembly together and to summon people for special announcements and events, it was also rung on important occasions such as King George III's uh, 1761 ascension to the British throne, and in 1765 to call people together to discuss Parliament's controversial Stamp Act. With the outbreak of the American Revolution on in April 1775, the bell was rung to announce the battles of Lexington and Concord. Its most famous tolling, however, of course, was on July the 8th, 1776, when it summoned Philadelphia citizens for the first reading of the Declaration of Independence. At the British advanced, as they advanced towards Philadelphia in the fall of 1777, the bell was removed from the city and hidden in Allentown, Pennsylvania, to save it from being melted down by the British and used to make cannons. After the British defeat in uh, 1781, the bell was returned to Philadelphia, uh, which served as the nation's capital from 1790 to 1800. In addition to marking important events, the bell tolled annually to celebrate George Washington's birthday on February the 22nd and the 4th of July. The name Liberty Bell was first coined in 1839 in a poem in an abolitionist pamphlet. The question of whether the Liberty Bell acquired its famous fracture had been the subject of a good deal of historical debate. In the most commonly accepted account, the bell suffered a major break while tolling for the funeral of Chief Justice of the United States John Marshall in 1835. In 1846, the crack was expanded to, pres to its present size while in use to mark Washington's birthday. After that date, it was regarded as unsuitable for ringing, but it was still ceremoniously tapped on occasion to commemorate important events on June the 6th. 1944, when Allied forces invaded France, the sound of the bell's dull ring was broadcast by radio across the United States. The Liberty Bell. First rung, or rung uh, on uh, July 8, 1776. Yesterday, gunmen assassinated the Caribbean president, uh, country's president, 
Jovenel Moisey in his Port-au-Prince home. Uh, his wife, First Lady Martine Moisey, was also uh, wounded and in critical condition. Authorities killed four suspects and arrested two others hours later. They're believed to be well-trained killers who allegedly impersonated uh, DEA agents to enter the home. That'd be drug enforcement agents. Now, interim president, minister, prime minister, Claude Josephs, taken over the government. He declared a state of siege, which allows things like putting the military and police in charge of security, closing the borders, and banning uh, gatherings. Joseph called for justice and peace, but Haiti's been far from calm for a long time. Moise, who took office in 2017, has been ruling by decree for over a year and refused to hold elections, prompting concerns of a dictatorship. Haitians took to the streets, uh, angry over his alleged corruption and attempt to hold on to power. Uh, Haiti's just been uh, a sad, sad place for a long, long time. It's hard to believe it's on the same island as the thriving and uh, prosperous Dominican Republic. But uh, they have property values are very insecure there, a lot of crime, uh, a lot of uh, negative things going on. And 60% of the people there live in poverty, below the poverty line. Uh, I'm sure the UN UN will speak up about this and we'll find uh, what's going to happen. But uh, the president's assassination of political arrest has only added to the country's uncertainty. Well, former President Donald Trump announced yesterday morning a class action lawsuit against Facebook, Google, and Twitter, as well as their respective CEOs. And the more I think about this, the more I smile, I'm pretty happy about it. Trump announced the lawsuit at an 11 a.m. press conference. He called the uh, lawsuit a beautiful development for free speech for Americans. Uh, today, in conjunction with the American First Policy Institute, I'm filing as the lead class representative of a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, including Facebook, Google, and Twitter, as well as their CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg, Sandor Pichay, and uh, Jack Dorsey. <laughs> Three real nice guys, Trump said. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate halt to social media companies' illegal, shameful censorship of the American people, said Trump, and that's exactly what they're doing. We're demanding an end to the shadow uh, banning, a stop to silencing, and a stop to the blacklisting, banishing, and canceling that, well, you know, so well. He continued, Trump also on the state uh, on to state that the uh, lawsuit will prove social media is unlawful, unconstitutional, and un-American. We're asking the court to impose punitive damages on these social media giants. We're going to hold big tech very accountable. This is the first of numerous other lawsuits I assume will follow, said Trump. Trump said his lawsuit would be a very important game changer for our country. It will be a pivotal battle in the defense of the First Amendment, and in the end, I'm confident that we will achieve an historic victory for American freedom, and at the same time, uh, freedom of speech. Yeah, From the very beginning, Trump said, our nation, freedom of uh, speech, has always been understood to be a bedrock of our liberty, liberty, and our strength. Uh, in America, we recognize that the freedom to speak our minds and express the truth that is in our heart, he added. Really, that's really a big chunk of our, of our heart. It's Our heart is not uh, granted to us by government, it's more to us by God, and no one should have the power to take that right away. A class action lawsuit will allow Trump, who's been battling the big tech giants for quite some time, to sue the companies on behalf of a larger group of people who felt they've been wrong. Now, my wife Linda has been banned from Twitter. 
And so she, while he was giving the speech, when he gave out the website, she already signed up as a participant in the class action lawsuit. They've they've got terrific attorneys. So this is going to be a game changer. Now they're going to they're going to have to testify about their actions. I think it's going to be it's going to service on a number of levels. But uh, obviously, they had tremendous sway over the election. They had tremendous uh, sway over politics, and they're exercising far too much power. They need to be uh, brought to justice. Well, Fox News' Tucker Carlson joined Maria Bartiromo on her morning show to further expand on his claim that the NSA is spying on him and revealed new details that the NSA is leaking confidential communications to journalists uh, Carlson made head, headlines after claiming that the NSA was spying on his elect, electronic communications on his shows last week. I was in Washington for our funeral last week and ran into someone I knew very well who said, I have a message for you, and then proceeded to repeat, repeat back to me details from email and text that I sent that nobody else knew about. So I was ver- it verified that this person said, look, the NSA has this, and it was proven by the person repeating back to the contents of the email. It's going to be used against you, Carlson told Bartiromo. So uh, his, his accusation is that they're trying to silence me, and they want me thrown off the air. But, uh, it's, you know, they have a right because he was in touch with uh, the people from uh, Russia uh, to see if he could uh, interview uh, Putin. But uh, so they have a right to uh, to do that. However, to follow him, but they do not have a right to unmask, as they say, the uh, communications between him and anybody else. So uh, they've broken the law. They're spying on elected representatives, even the ones that are supposed to be in charge of overseeing the intelligence agency activities. As he pointed out, there's supposed to be oversight on this by Congress, by the Intel Committee, and there's not. And I spoke to a member of the Intel Committee three years ago who told me to my face that this was that he was being spied on by the NSA and the CIA. This is a sitting member of Intel Committee who said the people he was supposed to be overseeing were spying on him, and there's nothing he could do about it. Things need to be cleaned up. The deep state is really deep, and... Uh, Carlson said that the statement comes with this non-sequitur in part, quote, Tucker Carlson has never been an intelligence target of the agency. (laughs) Okay, glad to know, said Tucker. And uh, his show is great, and uh, I really am pulling for Tucker Carlson. I'm glad that he's exposing this for what it is. And uh, as he points out, if I'm being targeted, any American can be targeted. And that's what the president was saying as well. If, you know, if they, uh, if, uh, The social media can do this to me. They can do it to anybody. So uh, this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out at choicesocial.us. That's the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Laura Reese. She's the director. She's with the Heritage Foundation. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a uh, coalition of, of now well over 100 groups across Florida. We focus on K-12 through education. Uh, we're really strong advocates for uh, parental choice, expanding those uh, choice options for every parent. And uh, we're big fans of uh, homeschooling and, and trying to break the monopoly power of um, in our public school system. I call them government schools. So Yeah, as they should be. Speaking of uh, <laughs> breaking the monopolies, I could not believe that the American uh, Education Association, I think that's what it's called, announced that yeah. they're back uh, critical race theory and uh, 1619 project and all this nonsense. It's just really scary to think these people have so much power in public education. Well, they've had it for a long time, and... Um, you know, we actually had a bill in the in the legislature that would have uh, taken a major step uh, to break that power, and it was actually killed in the Senate Rules Committee. So that was disappointing, but I'm sure we'll be back next year working with Americans for Prosperity to get that, that done. So, um, But the, the unions, uh, we, we need to start calling them what they are. They're Marxists. Yeah. They're simply Marxists. Right. And until people start to understand what they are, and what they're doing to our kids, um, you know, they're going to continue to wield that kind of power. 
Yeah, and and they shouldn't. So before I want to talk to you about next year's agenda for legislation, but I I want our listeners to be aware of what's happening with the uh, uh, Bill of Rights uh, ordinance that the uh, right. Cuyahoga County Commissioners are considering. Yeah, we've been uh, a, a group of us, uh, and we've been very involved in uh, drafting language for a sanctuary, declaring Collier County as a as a, a sanctuary county by ordinance to, to protect the Bill of Rights. Uh, we have 42 counties across uh, the state of Florida that have done so by resolution, but a resolution has no, no teeth, no, no accountability. And so uh, on uh, the 22nd of, of uh, June, uh, we, uh, we were s successful in getting a three to two vote to advance it to the step two. Uh, to pass an ordinance takes two rounds. The first round, they have to agree to advertise it, which they did on the 22nd. And now on the 13th of July, uh, we're hoping that we'll get a 3-2 vote to pass it. Uh, we've had meetings with uh, Commissioner Solis and and, and Taylor. Um, uh, what, what's just beyond shocking is... Uh, uh, Commissioner Solis's lack of knowledge of the understanding of uh, his his responsibilities under the Constitution, yeah. and his understanding of uh, the Supreme Court, uh, its authority or its lack of authority in certain cases is, is just more than astounding. So, um, there's no chance he's going to support this. We're so hopeful that uh, Penny Taylor will see the light and, and stop w worrying about um, uh, what she's conjured up as unintended consequences. And we are hopeful that Bert Sanders will stay the course. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You know, it, it, to me, it's beyond. The, I cannot imagine why you wouldn't want to support the Bill of Rights. It, it, it's particularly important when you think about some of the overreach that the federal government is expressing right now. Apparently, uh, I heard read last yesterday that the Capitol Police want to establish offices in Florida and California. My goodness, that if that's not federal overreach, I don't know what is. Point being is we need reinforcements for the Bill of Rights. We need people to know, in the federal government especially, that we mean business, we want, we want to protect our rights. Well, and that's where the local government under federalism comes into play. We're hoping to get enough counties to change those resolutions to ordinance, ordinances to uh, encourage our governor to declare the whole state a sanctuary state against uh, to protect the bill of rights and just say no to that i mean you, the, the example you just gave was perfect example yeah. of where um governor santos should be using his 10th amendment power to just say no yeah how about hell no <laughs> so <laughs> okay so keith uh, uh thank you for that update and, and again i'm sure you'd like to see a good turnout at the meeting on the 13th i think you said uh, yes that's, that's going to be at the collier county uh commissioner's chambers at the government center yeah uh bill mcdaniel told me yesterday that it's uh, it, it's time certain in a sense that it won't be before one o'clock and he's trying to get an exact time certain but uh sounds like it's going to be in the afternoon okay uh, we'll let people know um so stay tuned uh go flca dot uh, org or dot com is the website goflca.com i'm sure you'll find an update uh there so keith uh with the time we have remaining can you give us an update on what uh next legislative session is looking like for your agenda yeah uh real quickly uh we're clearly going to be focusing on critical race theory we had a meeting yesterday with uh spencer roach representative roach and he's committed to write um, a critical race theory prohibitive law and we're going to work with him on that uh, we want to expand uh, school choice 
Uh, it's called Education Savings Account, where the money follows the students, so that'll be number two. We've got a massive effort going on to, to refocus on the pornography that's in our schools, and maybe we can talk about that next week. And uh, we're, we're going to be uh, fostering a couple of interesting thoughts, one of which, um, you know, you might be willing to, to, to help that debate and discussion. Uh, should teachers be required to wear body cameras? Um, you know, they don't have a right to privacy. They're government employees, and right. uh, they're indoctrinating our kids, and we have no way of, of really seeing what they're doing right now unless a child reports it. So um, so that's an interesting debate. Uh, so those are some of the kinds of things we're, we're, we're looking at, and uh, uh, we're, we expect to have our uh, legislative agenda finalized by um, about the middle of August. So right now we're just uh, reaching out to all of our supporters and asking for their input and having some discussions, and then we'll prioritize that. Keith, I just genuinely appreciate the work that you and uh, Pastor Rick have done uh, starting this organization just uh, eight or nine years ago, and now seeing the fruits of your labor has just been magnificent. Again, the traction that you've gotten in the, in the legislative chambers and with the Commissioner of Education it's been really fantastic, and uh, you've made a big difference in terms of the quality of education in uh, Florida schools, so thank you for all you do. Uh, we have a great team, and, uh, and we really are punching above our weight right now, so uh, we invite anybody uh, of your listeners to uh, join us, help us. Yeah, goflca.com is the website. Thank you so much, Keith. Take care. Have a great weekend. You as well. All right, coming up, <clears throat> we're going to visit with Laura Reese. She's the director Center for Technology Policy and Senior Research Fellow at the Homeland Security at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, we're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, 
and about the season's exciting productions, visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And as you just heard, building a performing arts center in downtown Naples, you can visit golfshoreplayhouse.org to find out more. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Laura Reese. She is director of the Center for Technology Policy and senior research fellow, Homeland Security at the Heritage Foundation. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure, indeed. For our listeners that may not be familiar with the Heritage Foundation, could you uh, give us a little rundown of what it's all about? Sure. We are a, a nonprofit organization and uh, a conservative policy think tank. And so our goals are to uh, implement policies and, and um, educate Americans and Congress uh, and the executive branch on policies that will encourage economic freedom uh, individual freedom, uh, security for Americans, and um, uh, safe communities. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Heritage.org, uh, I believe, is the website. So, uh, Laura, I want to talk to you about the path to citizenship for undocumented that the uh, president is now uh, promoting. Uh, before I do, though, I want to ask you about uh, the president giving Putin a list of 16 sectors that should not be attacked uh, by these uh uh, cyber attackers, and uh, now we're seeing about uh, hundreds, actually, attacks of small to medium-sized businesses. What are your thoughts? Yes, it's it's rather ridiculous for President Biden to uh, give a list of, of 16 items that uh, Putin and the Russians should not be attacking. Um, and, and it shows. Um, we've been seeing regular and more frequent cyber attacks um, various industries and, and business sizes. You know, the, the most recent one is, is affecting small businesses. Um, but Russia is a, a regular uh, cyber attacker, whether it is, you know, cyber criminals residing in Russia with the acquiescence of the government there or more direct involvement from the Russian uh, government and the military. Um, so no one should expect uh, Putin to obey President Biden's list. And I suspect we'll continue to see these attacks occur. Yeah, uh, sadly, that's the case. Well, thank you for that, Laura. So let's move to this whole notion of a, a path to citizenship for illegal aliens. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, path to citizenship is really a euphemism. And what it really means is legalizing um, immigrants who are in the country unlawfully. Once someone has a green card or is a lawful permanent resident, um, then they are free to apply for citizenship after a number of years. Um, and it is, it's bad policy to give amnesty to those who are here illegally. Um, it simply encourages more illegal immigration and, and we never get out of this cycle. Um, and, and anyone who is watching the border crisis that's happening um, while Congress, you know, the Democrats demand amnesty for illegal immigrants, it is quite a, um, 
a set of bookends around this issue to demonstrate what what the bad policy leads to. Mm, indeed. So uh, right now, Governor Abbott has declared that he's going to do something about illegal immigration and is going to put a stop to it at the Texas border at any event. Uh, can you comment on that? Yes, thank goodness for Governor Abbott doing this. Um, the federal government is supposed to be, is responsible for uh, immigration, including enforcing immigration laws. Uh, but this administration, uh, the Biden administration, is um, ignoring those laws, refusing to enforce the laws. Uh, they are not, uh, they're telling their uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement agency, agents not to arrest, not to deport. And so, you know, the states are directly impacted by the hundreds and thousands who are flowing over the, the border each month. Uh, Texas is um, ground zero for this. Mm -hmm. And so um, the Texas governor and other governors are able to uh, enforce state laws that are impacted, whether that's trespassing or other crimes. And so the Governor Abbott has called on other states to help um, him along the border and, and other states have, have answered and they're sending resources. So uh, it's important that states act where they can. Uh, so I, I would imagine they don't. Uh, he doesn't have the authority to uh, re rebuild or start the activity on the wall. Uh, I would imagine that's a big uh, kerfuffle around the whole notion of who owns the property to build it and does the uh, state have the authority. Uh, maybe a comment on that. But also, I, I guess the main purpose would be simply to demonstrate power at the border and that if you try to cross the border illegally, you're not going to be able to get in. Yeah, with respect to the wall, he, uh, Governor Abbott has been seeking funds um, to continue building the wall uh, in parts of Texas where he can. Um, yeah, who owns the property where is, is an issue, and then, you know, that creates different treatment or, or action on, on how to build the wall. Um, and in terms of, um, I'm sorry, what was the second part of your question? Well, just uh, th that uh, the whole notion that uh, they basically want to uh, make a statement that if you come, if you try to come illegally, uh, you're not going to be able to get in because we're going to stop you even if we have to use force. Right. Well, as we have seen under the past administration, when consequences are applied to illegal immigration, it, it works. It has an effect. Uh, when, when the Trump administration... Um, implemented the Remain in Mexico program, it told would-be migrants, you're not going to get into the U.S. just by claiming a uh, fear of returning to your country and then disappearing into the U.S. Um, and when we had put in place agreements with the, the governments of Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras about um, taking nationals back who traversed through multiple countries but didn't seek asylum there, only to come to the U.S. to apply asylum and those governments agreed to such terms that worked and the caravans of illegal immigrants stopped so um, if, if Texas and other states will uh, apply consequences through their state laws um, then that will have some impact let's hope so now let's fast forward to perhaps another administration and uh, we find that we have all these illegals we still don't have good uh, 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 immigration laws. So, so what's going to happen? What can happen? Well, um, it's going to 
require some some political leaders with the will um, to look for the the illegal alien population here um, and to start enforcing the laws. Um, and so that includes putting them into removal proceedings, uh, detaining them in immigration detention during the removal proceedings, and then when they get final orders of removal, um, in fact, removing them. And so that is the stark difference between the Biden administration, uh, the Trump administration. Uh, the Biden administration is seeking to just process illegal immigrants in much faster and that way it won't look so bad at the border. Mm -hmm. um, and then the media will, you know, not pay attention to the issue. Um, and, you know, as I said, the, the Biden administration is not looking to enforce the law. And so while there's a lot of talk about the high numbers coming in, what's important is what is done. What happens to the, those illegal immigrants? Mm -hmm. Are they just allowed to... Um, go anywhere in the U.S. and, and settle in and uh, receive driver's license and other you know benefits and not be removed, or are consequences going to be applied because the immigration laws are enforced? And that, of course, is happening state by state, is it not? And I don't. I think I recall reading that one state is even offering Medicaid to uh, illegal immigrants. Yeah, they are going uh, to all parts of the country. Um, they're being bussed. They're being flown. Um, and at taxpayer expense. Yeah. And so then when, wherever they settle in, in communities, you know, then they're, um, you know, the kids are going to school, which has an impact for the communities there and class size and um, service needs, uh, hospitals, etc. Yeah. So every town is a border town. It's not just, you know, Texas and, and the border states. Um, this is happening all over the country, as well as um, the increase in drugs that are coming across the southern border yeah. uh, because you've got border agents tied up um, addressing the needs of children and families who are flooding across the border. It makes it easier for you know, fentanyl and other poison to cross the border as well. Yeah. And those go to all of our communities and will kill Americans. The administration knows this, and yet they refuse to change their policies. Laura Reese, again, Director, Center for Technology Policy and Senior, Senior Research Fellow at the Home, Homeland Security for the Heritage Foundation. Laura, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Biden and his view of farmers. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. 
Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Bill Barnett, uh, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and no one else does, or very few. <laughs> yes, I know, but I appreciate everything you're doing. So uh, your column, latest column, was Biden as Democrats really don't like U.S. farmers. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, what they're, of course, one thing they're doing is, you know, it's, it's amazing uh, the allegedly career moderate Biden is overstepping where Obama administration was in multiple, many, many, many myriad different ways. Um, the, the, the Obama administration imposed a ridiculous definition of navigable waterway under a law called the Waters of the U.S., and it's a way for the government to regulate water in the United States. And... They defi- like if you get a puddle of water on your property when it rains, all of a sudden it's a navigable waterway, and you can't do anything with your land. Now, of course, that's problematic if you you know if you're a homeowner and you want to put up a fence, but if you're a farmer and you want to till your land and you all of a sudden you can't do it because there's a puddle on your property, that's really problematic. Well, Trump. Re- Trump's EPA reversed and, and scaled way back the definition of navigable waterway. Well, Biden's, one, going to undo Trump's reduction, because this is the way the bureaucracy works. Step one is he has to undo what Trump did. And then step two is going to be go beyond where Obama went. Unbelievable. On navigable waterway. Yeah, and here's the thing, uh, Gina McCarthy, I, I remember this so well, and I remember the uh, the uh, dust-up around this whole navigable water thing. It's, it's really a pain. It, what it does is it really federalizes the authority over uh, 
really. Where it's yeah, be- it, yeah. It, it, it basically turns any drop of water into a federally regulated situation. Yeah. And uh, like I said, Biden's going to look to is looking to make it worse than it was under Obama. Well, that's one thing. Well, you know, everybody listening to your show, of course, is, knows about the estate tax, which we have rightly labeled the death tax. Meaning, when you die, you have to pay, you have to pay for the privilege of dying, or your heirs do, um, in the form of this tax on your estate. Well, we've, for the most part, successfully rightly demonize the estate tax. You know, you pay money, you pay taxes multiple times on this money, and then you get to pay again when you die. Yep. So what the Biden administration is trying to do is impose this second, a second death tax. And what they're doing is we have this adjusted asset thing, and what it says is if you own something for multiple generations, um, you know, a farm is a great example of it. You know, you six-generation farmer, meaning, you know, your great-great-grandfather started farming here, and you're still farming on the same land. Well, that's one of the reasons we didn't like the estate tax, the debt tax, because if it was precipitously high, these people are property-rich but cash-poor. Right. And they end up having to sell their livelihoods, their land, to pay the stupid tax. Well... There's an adjustment that's made in the tax code that says you, you, you pay a reduced tax predicated upon the dollar amount originally paid for the land or the, or the property, for example, and rather than being taxed on what it's, strictly on what it's valued at now, which is the government rewarding itself for inflating our money by then taxing you on the inflated value of the property you're inheriting. Yep. And that's been the adjustment forever. Well, Biden's looking to get rid of that adjustment. That's sad indeed. I mean, what happens is, of course, uh, the people who inherit the property to keep it in the family, uh, in many cases, can't afford to keep the property. They end up having to sell it. And of course, they sell the property to pay the tax. And they, everybody understands that it's a, it's a distressed sale when that's going on, so they don't get the uh, the true oh, no, dollar. No, no, it's a it's a buyer's market. Absolutely. <clears throat> everybody knows they have to sell, so. They all, you know, and a lot of times there's collusion at those at those uh, <clears throat> auctions where you know there's a bunch of properties being sold for tax liability purposes, and they all get all the buyers get together and go, okay, I'll bid on lot A, you bid on lot B, <laughs> right? And and they and they they under they further undervalue the property. So, Seton, I mean, let's hope. I think it, to me it looks to like uh, Biden is losing traction in terms of uh, his. Uh, agenda, uh, uh, his legislative agenda. Well, that's What's the problem is the things we just discussed here have nothing to do with Congress. He can do all of what we just discussed unilaterally via executive branch action. Even in even the estate tax, even the death tax. Well, yeah, because it's, it's it's a, it's a, <laughs> they consider it an IRS rule. I, I, think he's propo- I think what's going to happen is he's going to try to propose it through legislation. Of course, it's going to get nowhere with Republicans. So then what he's going to try to do is say, this is within the, the, um, the, the, the uh, powers of the IRS redefining what this is. Um, you know, we've made the counter-argument a lot of times, for example, and, and uh, Steve Moore was saying it during the Trump administration, we should have done it. He wanted to have the executive branch t- t- uh, put cap or attack 
capital gains tax to inflation. Yeah. Meaning, if you've had a you know if you've had a house for eighty years, and of course the government inflated the money, you don't pay a tax on the inflated part. You just pay on the increased value, the actual value, not the inflated value. Brilliant. And and that would have been a unilateral IRS action. So I'm quite sure Biden's going to end up where I I think he's going to end up, which is he can't get this through Congress. So he's going to say this is within the powers of the IRS, and we're just going to get rid of this this adjustment. Yeah, so this is why he hates U.S. farmers. See, now, listen, before I let you go, uh, any comments on, did you see uh, President Trump yesterday making his announcement? I read about it. I didn't see it. I read about it. And the, 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 this is, a, I, if, if the lawsuit's going where I hope it's going, there's been an argument around for a long time that Section 230 of the 96 Communica- uh, Communications Decency Act, which has basically been a get-out-of-jail-free card for, for tech companies for 25 years, what, what the argument has been is that the government has outsourced speech regulation via the Section 230 to these companies. So that when the companies censor people based on ideology, like conservatives, like us, they are actually acting as a state actor and therefore violating the First Amendment. If that's where this lawsuit is going, I think there's real chance for victory and, and, and success. My position has been for years now that Section 230 is unconstitutional and the biggest cronyism gift in the history of government cronyism to anybody um, and you know, there's no way Facebook should be worth a trillion dollars. No, that's no right. way. Not, not, not without this protection. That's right. So not without this cronyism. So, yeah, if that's where Trump's lawsuit goes, I think there's real grounds. And, of course, with any lawsuit, and this is why Trump files them all the time for his entire life, the fun part is discovery. Like, what, <laughs> what, will, e- what will internal emails and memoranda reveal about what tech has been doing with, for example, coordinating with government officials to censor people. Right. That's exactly right, Seton. And uh, it actually gets beyond that. It's the First Amendment, and it's a class action lawsuit, which I really appreciate. My wife, Linda, was uh, actually uh, listening and watching uh, the uh, his announcement, and she signed up <laughs> because she's been banned from uh, Twitter. How did you sign up? Because I actually contacted Jason Miller, who's one of <clears throat> Trump's former high-level officials on Facebook Messenger. I haven't heard back yet. How did she sign up? Well, they, they announced a website, and I don't recall what the website is right oh, now. Oh, i got to find that website. Yeah, yeah. because uh, you know I, I, a lot of people are going to join the suit, and it's going to make it very, very interesting. See, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. Again, uh, lessgovernment.org and Less Government on Facebook. You can find it in both places. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Doing a number of things. One is, uh, for example, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, my pleasure. Thank beautiful, you. Beautiful Thursday morning. Nice to see the sun, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it was nice to, you know. I mean, we. It was just to us. I mean, it was a. It was just a rainy day for most of Naples. Yeah, it was. Uh, a little wind uh, and a rainy day. Yeah, yeah, but not. I don't think anything near the degree of what they were talking about. I heard you know, that in North Naples we got six point three inches of rain. On wow. In 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> That's a lot of well, rain. They, 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 they were saying that I think North Port or Port Charlotte got, um, they got a foot of rain. Wow. Um, I mean, but I'll tell you what, that thing did dump some water. But the interesting thing in, in, in Naples, in the city of Naples, was if you wanted to play a game that day, where was our mayor? Nobody knew. <laughs> really? See, yes. You know what this immediately evokes? Memories of you being on uh, the news media as a spokesperson for what's happening in Naples during the hurricane. And, uh, you became a celebrity at that time. Yeah, I didn't ask to. I can tell you that right now. But but the thing was, was that somebody had, had called us and said, um, you know, the storm was coming and uh, nobody knew exactly how bad we were going to get it and uh, the forecast. I mean, everybody was watching what was going on and... Uh, and uh, one of the employees who uh, uh, had, I happened to be talking with him, and I said, "Where is is uh, is the mayor? You know, ready to ready to, to take the stand if she has to uh, 
do some speaking or let the public know what's going on or anything else. And they said, no, nobody knows where she is. Uh, <laughs> but she, <laughs> she her, her was like, and a couple of people, a couple of people said the same thing. They said, well, she, all she said was she was out. And, and that was all. And that could have meant out watching beaches or, or out of town or whatever. So, so to this day, I don't think anybody knew where, where she was, but thankfully there was nothing that she was needed for. So, um, yeah. uh, the rest of that staff is so good, you know, between the, the city manager and, and the fire chief and the police chief, they had everything, they had everything already, all, all the, the first responders and everything. In case anything was needed, so it's you still, know it's still it her okay. role to be uh to to reassure the community things are under control that uh, we're we, you know here's we've got if if you have needs this is what you could do I mean that that is her role it's she's kind of taking the attitude as everybody for themselves <laughs> well yeah I mean supposedly I mean I I know you know she's asking are you, you going to be there whatever it is I mean she never really answered the question and uh, I mean it's just kind of uh, I don't want to say amusing because it's not. It is not amusing. Um, uh, you you expect something from your elected officials, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, from my understanding, in case they had to sign any emergency papers, they had uh, Vice Mayor Terry Hutchison on call because they didn't know where where she was or whether she's going to be available or not. And so, you know, it just it just sends the this just sends a bad image. That's all. Meanwhile. Um, I'm still seeing, uh, I, I definitely think we're out of season now, okay? I mean, week before we said, yeah, there were people in restaurants and everything. I think now we're we're in off season. What do you think? Oh, I think so as well. In fact, uh, things are getting quiet around here, certainly on the roads. Although I haven't been out in the roads here in a couple of days. But, uh, yeah, I think, that, I mean, I wonder if people decided to go back because of the anticipated storm. Um. No, you know, Bob, I, I don't know, because nobody knew where the thing was going. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they were very good with their weather forecasts, and i got to say they've been coming a lot better. FPL seemed to be stepping up to the plate better this time. Uh, um, they all pre-storm pre, pre were, were really uh, showing their stuff. Uh, um, I know that um, Comcast Infinity, um, X, Xfinity was sending things out saying here's how you can stay covered during the storm and and what have you and and i was impressed by that but um i don't i think people just kind of uh laid low because you know i think most of florida was going to get soaked anyway and if they were going north they'd have to go quite a ways and then that thing was going to catch them so i think that most people just stayed around yeah, you're probably right. So it's it's kind of an interesting time. I love off season like this because it's more casual. You can come and go as you please. You don't have to worry about restaurant reservations. It's a great time of year. Yes, it it, it is. Uh, you know, if you don't mind the afternoon storms and uh, you get some nice days, it's it's hot. But I think everybody that's here is used to it. I'm looking forward to Chris and I are looking forward to to heading north the end of the month. Um, for a, for a little uh, northern air and uh, um, but yeah you're right it's it's um, this is a good time you can you you can go wherever you want and uh, and no traffic and uh, uh, people kind of regear it was a busy season so it's, you know that, that's that's all good and it is all good Bill so I I read that the uh, uh, FPL wants to install uh, f- hundreds thousands and thousands of uh, 
these uh, sunbeam captures. What are they called? Uh, the uh, the solar the solar things out there in Immokalee. Uh, just any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I I think that's the. I mean, you're looking at the future, Bob. I mean, they've done. Look at you know you don't realize it. You know, uh, of course, where the zoo is, right? Yep. Yes, I, I mean, do. obviously you do, yeah. but but the zoo parking lot is, if you look, they're all solar panels, um, and that was an experimental thing from FPL, like showing you what they were going to do, what they'd look like, and um, you don't hear a word about it, but I think you're you're looking at the future for a lot of places where they're they're getting big into solar because the technology is getting is getting so good, and um, they're even advertising for homes. Now I don't know how. How that one is? They're saying if your electric bill is, if you're in X um, uh, financial thing and and uh, your bill is so much, uh, you could save a lot because they will come in and put solar in. And but I think there's a few glitches there that need to be straightened out. Um, oh, this yeah. is just my personal opinion, not my professional one, which I don't have. So well, the, the scam is. <laughs> Gotta leave it there. Yeah, the scam is that uh, you know if you buy the solar panels, you get a tax deduction because of. Uh, what you're doing, right. but uh, what the scam is to lease them to you. We'll lease them to you over a period of years, so the company gets the tax write-off, and you are you get the solar panels, but you don't get the write-off. Right, right. But I do think it's a thing of the future. I saw that uh, that about Immokalee, and uh, I think it's great. I think it's going to help them out out there with power and a uh, chance to to uh, to um, to provide electricity and power out there, I think it's a great idea. Well, you know, um, Bill, I, I don't. I, let's put it this way: I don't see a downside. The one downside I see is my concern is what happens when these things are no longer useful. In other words, they've lived their life. What do you do with them? What do you mean? What the waste? In other words, when, once the panels, they don't. They have. They have a limited life. In other words, you, I don't think they're good for more than twenty years or something like that. What do you do with yeah. them after after that? You can no longer use them. Well, I, I mean, that's something that has to be determined prior, Yeah, and I'm sure that they have an answer for it. That's a great question. You know, what happens when their life, is, life expectancy is done? Um, what, can, what can you do with them? Can you recycle them? I mean, who knows, right? That's exactly right. And I don't know. I guess they're, they're still being made in China. I don't know where we're, we're purchasing these things, but uh, that's, that's right. another interesting question as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Bottom line, I think, is, is, is more on the positive than the negative, though. All right. Well, Bill, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show, and uh, hope you'll, you'll be around next week. Uh, Bob, I'm going to be around for you every Thursday that you want me. <laughs> All right. Well, that I appreciate. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bill. No matter where I am, you have yourself, have yourself a good rest of the week, and we'll be in touch. You as well. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman, a research fellow at the uh, Cato Institute, to talk about current events. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon. He's the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Uh, healthcare is such a big item on our agenda. Of course, with this uh, new variant coming out, and, and now there's a Lambda variant, apparently, for the, vac for the virus. So we'll be speaking to him about that. We'll visit with uh, our uh, U.S. Representative Byron Donalds will be joining us, as well as Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.